0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Living Single with Yana Janae, And y'all, I am so excited about today's episode. I'm so, so excited. I woke up excited about it because today we are going to have the one and only Akimini Wuan on the podcast. Now, every time I try to hype her up, she's always like, oh, I'm just so honored to be here, but Uh, I can't help but fangirl over Akemi because she is one-third of Truth's Table, uh, which is an award-winning podcast that came out a few years ago. And I remember the first episode that I heard of her and Dr. Christina Edmondson and Michelle Higgins and just being so excited and so, like, encouraged by their authentic and real conversation which is really just like black women musing on life and justice and liberation and the bible and theology and society and culture and it was just so so good it it literally was like a home cooked meal um when i was away at college you know in this predominantly white space and uh, doing all these things, when I was in college, my, when I would come home, my grandmother would prepare like my favorite meal and it would be like a, a smothered pork chop with some cabbage and a piece of cornbread. And this podcast felt very much like that while I was in seminary. I was at a predominantly white institution and I'm learning all of these things, but I felt very much disconnected from home. Uh, because home was all the way back in St. Louis, but also like home in terms of like my cultural identity. And so this podcast was like that meal that my grandmother would prepare for me. And so I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. If you don't know who she is, you're welcome. I'm very, very excited to be the one to introduce you uh, to Akimene. Uh Akimene is a public theologian. She, as I said before, she co-hosts uh, the podcast truce table she's also the co-host of another podcast getting in the or get in the word with truce table uh, which she does with dr Christina Edmondson where they get in the word together and they've been walking through the Bible all this year and so if you're looking for a way to get in the word and you just want to hear scripture read by black women like this is the podcast for you um, Akemeni is also the theologian in residence at the Black Christian Experience Resource Center. Uh, And then in 2021, she also served as a member on Aspen Institute's Racial Justice and Religion Commission. Y'all, this woman is brilliant. Uh, She Is an academia. She is a a black scholar, a theologian, uh, but she also is very connected to culture. Um, She's a writer. Um, She's contributed to Hallmark's Mahogany brand. um, And just recently, Christianity Today named her as, you know, 10 of the new or lesser known female theologians worth getting to know. And so a committee believes that theology can and does speak truth to culture, the society, and uh, also to the political issues of our day. Um, And so when she's speaking and when she's writing, she is trying to Uh, help people to understand the intersection of theology and culture and politics and uh, sociology and all those kinds of things. And so today, she's going to be on a podcast doing just that again and helping us to understand the intersection that happens at being a Black, uh, female, and also being single. And y'all, I'm just going to warn you like this conversation might get a little uncomfortable. It might get a little sticky. um, And you might also find it a bit like controversial, but I just want you to know that that is not my heart. I spent time with the Lord uh, as to whether or not to have this conversation about what it's been like for me to be black, single uh, and female um, and just really sense his urging Uh, his nudge to go ahead and to do this podcast episode. And here's the reason why. Because I know that there are some particulars that cause Black women to experience singleness in a different way than their white or Latina or Asian, uh, Native American, like, counterparts Um, There are some things that are deeply rooted in history, deeply rooted in the way in which uh, we are perceived in America that contribute to our singleness. And I believe that Black women need discipleship in this area, that they need discipleship on how to navigate singleness as a Black woman as it relates to some of those particulars. And so, we're going to be having an open and con- and candid conversation about that today. And I just want you to know that for the most part, we are speaking from our personal experience. Uh and I know and Kimmy knows as well that our experience is not like everybody's experience. And so, don't go around and start putting this narrative on all the black women around you. Just know that this is this is these are experiences that Kimani and I have had, and they are similar in some regard, and then they're they're different in others. Uh, but I just wanted to to have a conversation about it for uh, particularly black women, so that they would they would know that some of the things that they're feeling, some of the things they're wrestling with, some of the questions that they have, that they are not alone in that that. There are other people who are feeling and thinking about them in the same way. And I just wanted to give voice to it. And so as always, I pray that you would find this conversation edifying uh, and not just edifying if you're a black woman, if you are not a black woman, like, and you're uh, a white man or uh, an Asian woman or whoever, like, I even pray that as we are sort of talking about our own experiences that you would begin to think about your own experiences and begin to ask yourself questions. I still feel like there's a lot of value in this conversation for people who are not black and female. And uh, and then also for people who are not single. Um, it gives you a window into what some black women are experiencing, but it also helps you to understand your own story and even, you know, ask yourself questions as we share about our experience of being single, black, and female. So, as always, pray that this episode is edifying to you. And I also pray that it glorifies our good, great God. So, let's listen. Ekemene, hello. <laughs> Hi, Yana. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're here. I, I still can't believe it. I really I'm excited.
1: I really excited can't believe be it. Here. I'm honored to be here. Yeah. So glad to be on the show with you.
0: Yeah. I was so I was dreaming up about this podcast episode and just was like, I don't know. Uh I don't even I didn't even know if I was like. You know, skilled enough to like talk about it. I was like, I know I have this experience and I know that a lot of my friends who are black, Mm -hmm. single and female, like that they're having this similar experience and that there are trends out here. But I don't really know how to speak about this uh, from a way that's really taken into all the knowledge and the culture and statistics and all of that. And the Lord literally dropped your name into my mind and I was like, hmm. Lord, I don't know. I mean, she a comedy on? You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? She's ah. one third of Truth Table. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so, man, I'm so thankful that you immediately were like, yes, let's do it. Let's Absolutely. let's make it happen. So I'm really, really excited. And so you all, Truth Table, you all have a book coming out. do. We you do? have a book coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was privileged to read your chapter uh on uh singleness. And yo, sis, thank you. one. Mm-hmm. thank you for this, this this manifesto that you have written um mm-hmm. for us. And so y'all in the book, Truth Table is coming out, pre-order it, all the things. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh Akimini writes this essay and it's called Hidden in Plain Sight, a black. uh, a single Black woman's manifesto. And in this this manifesto, you are very vulnerable, Mm. very honest. You share about your personal journey with singleness. And there's this one paragraph in there that immediately (laughs) stood out to me. Mm. Um, Immediately. One, because I was like, that's me.
1: (laughs) That's me.
0: And then two, because it sort of sounded like the stages of singleness that I talked about in previous episodes. And I was like, yo, somebody else has kind of gone through these stages and Mm -hmm, been able to put words to it. So let me read it to you because I want to talk about it. Um, In it, you say, you say, in my early 20s, people thought my singleness was endearing. In my late 20s, endearment gave way to bewilderment. As I entered my early 30s, bewilderment morphed into mystification. And in my mid thirties, mystification produced shame. In my late thirties, shame has transformed into anger. Anger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. -hmm. That's deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also beautifully written. Mm.
1: (laughs) Crazy. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Can you share more about these stages of emotions that you went through, that you walk through, and why do you think those feelings change? Like depending on what age you were, like from your 20s to your 30s? Yeah. um, Well,
1: this is a good question. You know, yeah, I had to really dig deep, you know, for this chapter. And I I knew I couldn't write this from sort of abstract or um, place because this is my reality. You know, and I do think that singleness lives um, under the backdrop of ageism. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this country, to be quite honest. And I never, I mean, I've thought about it, but I didn't, that kind of just came to mind just now. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, you know, when I'm, I'm listing off my ages, right, in the different phases. Mm -hmm. Uh, that I'm going through. Whereas in your 20s, it's cute, you know, (laughs) nobody's really tripping, you know, 30s. Okay. There's still a lot of single folks, you know, that are, you know, meandering, you know, in their early 30s, no big deal, mid to late, people start getting a little worried, Um, you know? And I I just, I do think that the backdrop of ageism hangs in there Mm -hmm. um, where this, there's this uh, obsession in our culture with, uh, uh, you know, um, 20 under 20, you know, who have done all these successful exploits, you know, mm-hmm. and 30 under 30, right? Um, sometimes you see 40 under 40. Okay, so but that's usually the max. So does it doesn't usually <laughs> go beyond that. After that, you know, there just seems to be in our culture um, this false uh, expiration date. Hmm. Uh, it's somewhere around 30 is, is what I'm observing anyway. It could be a little bit higher than that, but it seems about 30. There's a real trepidation that people in our culture feel about turning 30 yeah, and then being over the hill. And I'm like, what? 30s? You know, now that I'm well into my 30s, I'm like, you're just getting started. Just getting started. (laughs) You know, um, I do think that I would be remiss too if I didn't also add the fact that um, about reproduction, right? And having children and the biological clock, even though we know women are having children at older ages now, you know, early 40s, you know, and so uh, that doesn't preclude you. Getting married at 40, 41, even 42 doesn't preclude you from having children these days. Um, and so I think some of, I, I yeah, so I think those are some of the factors that are underlie mm-hmm. some of that uh, tension, that anxiety, that trepidation um, when it comes uh, to singleness and wanting to get married. You know, I, I mean, in my mind, I wanted to get married at 27. And then I look back, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that was not a, a bad age to want to get married. It's just like, oh, you are young. You are really young. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you still got a lot more living to do. Um, but yeah, I I wanted to go back and really think about like how did I feel, you know, during those times or how was I received and perceived, you know, during those times. That's and then, good. you know, as the as time went on, it was there were there was shame. You know, you do wonder what's wrong with me? What am I not doing? Am I not facing? am i not faithing enough you know um and you you know the messages you hear i love uh, it at church in certain church circles you know about you know or or don't speak this or don't say that we start getting real superstitions like like about things that we deeply desire and it's like wait a minute does god bless us or do we earn this because if we earn this then it's not a blessing right no it's not um and, and marriage is not an accomplishment It's not as if you sign up and you apply, like, like you apply for college and you, you know, you do the test and you'll get in, you know, that that's not the way marriage works. Not everybody (laughs) um, is uh, blessed, you know, with that opportunity to be married. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not it's not an accomplishment. It is a gift, a gracious gift uh, from God, you know, so. So yeah, I had to go back. I had to deep, you know, I had to really think. How did I feel in my twenties? How did I feel in my early early thirties? How did I feel in my late, um, uh, my, my late thirties? And how, no, meaning, how do I feel right now in my late thirties? <laughs> and I had to be honest, you know, um, the shame it went to anger, you know, because hmm. it was like, wait, why is this not accessible to me? Hmm. But, you know, and it's accessible to my non-black peers, um, in a way that it's not accessible to me, and that I think is. We should be angry about that, yeah. And I think sometimes we get scared to say we're angry because we're afraid of um the tropes about angry black women and and whatnot or not wanting to be bitter, right. But there's a distinction between anger and bitter. And there's different different types of anger, which I also, you know, make some distinctions about in the chapter,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that anger piece, right? Because um you talk about, how your anger is like was fueled by this reality of like, yo, like something's something's not adding up here, you know. And right. it's not just about, you know, me needing to fix these things about myself, but I'm actually living in a society where it seems as though my, you know, white and Hispanic counterparts, right, mm-hmm. are able mm-hmm. to have access mm-hmm. to marriage in a way that I'm not experiencing that same access. And so yeah. share a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so yeah, I think for me that the the anger piece really started to come in. Um, you know, when you when you think about the disparities, right? You think about the, the stats that say, I think it was the 2009 census that said, or was it 2010? I think it was 2009, yeah. but reported in 2010, mm-hmm. you know, that um, 71% of Black women had never been married, I believe. Um, And, or, yeah, had never been married or or are unmarried, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think as of late, I forgot who, what institution published this, but they said 62%. Either way, those numbers are too high. Too high. They're just too high. (laughs) So it's like, regardless, 71, 72, I mean, tomato, tomato, what are we Mm -hmm. even talking Mm -hmm. about here? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just too high, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so... To me, uh, it seemed to me like the anchor started to come in because it was like there's an injustice here. Hmm. And I don't know why nobody else is not, people, it doesn't seem like people are seeing this, but there's an injustice here. <laughs> um, and it, it seemed like people wanted to lay the blame on us.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Reverse, um, resorting to more, um, I'd say maybe lazy conclusions, you know, about. Black women not valuing marriage, that is not true. Oh my gosh, (laughs) Um, it's not true. (laughs) Or something deeply wrong with Black women, that is not true. Like, you know, there's not some sort of deep Black pathology that makes us Mm -hmm. averse to marriage. That's not what's happening. You know, Mm -hmm. and we have got to reject those... um, those racist narratives. And sometimes we we internalize as a people can internalize those messages. And it's like, that's not what's happening, y'all. Um, and that's not to say the broader culture, there's not been a movement toward uh, or, or uh, a decline in marriage. There has been, absolutely, absolutely. There has been a decline in marriage where there's, you know, uh, and there's barriers, you know, to marriage too for this generation. It's pretty complicated as far as economics goes and millennials having been gone, gone through so many, um, goodness, uh, crisis, crises, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, dating back from 9-11 and on uh, that impacts, you know, people's ability, you know, to be able to get married. Yes, that's real and that's true. But even prior to that, there was something going on here and there's there were systems um, in play since the time of slavery to um, continually attack the Black um, family. Uh, yeah. and, and those systems have been in play since before you and I uh were born, before your mama and daddy met, before my mom and daddy met, mm-hmm. <laughs> these systems were in play. Um and uh and I think in some ways we've been caught unawares uh by that as a community, I would say. And within that community, I'm talking about east also the black church. I just think it's something that we've missed. And that's the argument also that um Diane uh M. Stewart makes in her um in her book, uh Black. Black women, Black love. Of, but who I cite um, in this uh, in the book, uh, mm-hmm. and so yeah, so that's where the the anger comes from. Is it, it, to me it, it is a righteous anger because it's one thing to choose to say I don't want to be married. I don't want to be married. It's not for me. Yeah, you know I, that's just not a desire of mine. I'm not interested in in being married. And there's, I, I don't, there's no problem with that. I don't see a problem with that. You know, that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but there is an injustice in play when Black women want to be married and they cannot be married, you know, yeah. and they want to be married specifically to Black men and they do not have access, you know, to said Black men in order to get married. Then there is an injustice afoot. And we should be angry about that, Um because God, uh, because marriage is God's idea, particularly as Christians, like, wait, I can't partake of this, you know, because of systems, um, that have been in play that have excluded me, uh, at least thus far from, um, you know, from the option of getting married. And yeah, yeah, Diane M. Stewart wrote, um, black women, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage. Just wanted mm. to get that title out there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there are going to be some people who listen and who hear that and they're like, okay, injustice, you know, they're going to say like, uh, you know, uh, trying to dismantle the Black family mm-hmm. and kind of like turn their nose up at that. Um, but I mean, you like you said, These patterns have been true since slavery, you know, homes being uh, broken, families being broken up. And then there's also the the reality of mass incarceration, right? Like that, that is that plays a factor um, into Mm -hmm. this this conversation. And even in your your manifesto, your essay, you cite um, this. What's say her name again for me? Diane M. Stewart. Yeah, uh-huh. you you yes. you you cite uh, Dr. Stewart, and she points out even when it came to you know certain things like being able to get wealth welfare assistance. Absolutely. Like you couldn't yes. get welfare assistance unless you were married. You know, yeah. a, male, and, a male could
1: not be in the house with a, uh, with a black woman. Yes, and we I'm just like for that. Them to get food stamps. yep. Mm-hmm.
0: that is wild. You mm-hmm. know, and so um, of course people can create like caricatures around that of like, you know, uh, a single black mom who's on mm-hmm. welfare. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not always the the case. You know, mm-hmm. these are these are women who are actually trying to uh, provide for their kids and Absolutely. are struggling and all those kinds of things. And you're telling them that the only way that they can get the assistance that they need is if they are and remain single. And so there's yes. some there's some messiness um, mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I think these numbers, if anything, they tell a story, you know? Yes. And we should, at the very least, be interested in the story that it tells. And so you talk about anger, um, your shame terming anger, I think for me, I've had a mix of shame and confusion um, mm. for mm-hmm. for a bit of time. One, because, you know, I went to a predominantly white seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a part of predominantly white churches. And I remember once uh, uh, a white couple having me over for dinner and we were just eating. And he asked me, he's like, Yana, so what's dating like at seminary? And I was like, dating?
1: Like, ain't that? nobody checking for me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, ain't nobody right. checking for me. Right. And he was so shocked by that. And in that moment, because of the depth of our relationship, I was just like, how many black men on our campus are married to black women? Right. And when he stopped and thought about it, it was like, oh, there's just, there's just two. Yes. You know? One's a professor and the other one's a student. Um, But of all the other African-American professors Mm -hmm. and other African-American male students there, they are either married to a white woman or they're dating a white woman. And I don't have anything against that. However, there was a pattern before me, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. of, of, of Black men seeming to have a preference for... Uh, white wom- women and I think that's something that I totally expect to see like in the world but when I start to see that in a Christian environment it it sort of stings a little bit different sure, you know sure. and I think for me my question has always been like what's up <laughs> you mm-hmm, know like mm-hmm. I could be your homegirl you know we can kick it we can talk about you know so you know social justice issues when you know uh somebody becomes a hashtag you know all of those kinds of things but it doesn't seem as though you find me and women like me desirable you mm-hmm. know and so just mm-hmm. this immense amount of confusion and like even feeling like worthless um right. yeah, yes. and i remember one of my friends like trying to hook me up with a black a black man um, and I was into it I was like yeah he's attractive he loves Jesus he's serving like let's yeah let's let's, let's shoot it. our shot yeah. you know yeah. but in the process of them shooting their shot he shared that he had a preference for white women you know and so how how am I supposed wow. to you know like he told, he told you that he told them that he didn't tell me that he told them I was like, <laughs> wow. so that's real bold okay. that would have been mm-hmm. a, that would have been that yeah. would have been more devastating than it already absolutely
1: i'm like wow already <laughs> okay.
0: was but um but it was really hurtful you know cuz it was like it's nothing that i can do about my skin color and my hair and you are literally like not even open to getting to know me because i am a black woman you know yeah. it's not because i got bad character or I'm ugly, you know like or any of those things. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about factors that I can't even control. And in your in, in your essay, you talk about the the standards of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um and you talk about desirability and how culture shapes that. But then you also make this statement about how desirability is a scam.
1: It's mm-hmm. a complete
0: scam. And so, can you say more about that and how you've reached that conclusion because I think I need to hear that. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 no. Yeah, goodness. Woo. Yeah, thank you first of, first of all for sharing all of that. You know, it's like I'm not gonna lie. I, honestly, I could have written a whole book on this chapter to mm-hmm. be honest. There's a lot of things I didn't talk about <laughs> even <laughs> though it's a manifesto and it is a manifesto. <laughs> I was just like this is going on and on. So I thought like, mm-hmm. we gotta wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get to talk about the aspect. Of um of that experience, right? Of witnessing mm-hmm. black men who prefer quote unquote air quotes. Y'all can't see my air quotes, but I'm putting up air quotes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> prefer white women. You know, um, you know, let me let me just say something. I, I guess it, it does go in with just des- desirability being a scam. You have to interrogate your preferences. Yeah. We live in still a majority white country that's changing. The Browning of America is changing but it ain't changed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get those messages and even when it does change, there's still um, the message that white and whiteness is normative, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And um, because of the racial stratification in this country um, and the way that that's been projected to us through media, which is via music, magazines, uh, gosh, it could be even news reports. Where you yeah. you name cartoons. I mean, <laughs> you, you name it. The toys you buy. I mean, from a very young age, you are Barbie just got thick. Yeah. Barbie's just got thick. Okay, bar, Barbie <laughs> just got natural <laughs> hair. So let's come on now. You know, so so those me- messages are, are communicated to us at a very young age that white is right, right? That that mm-hmm. is now whether you. Uh, Eschew that and whether your parents did a lot of intentional work to show you that your black is beautiful and that to reinforce that or to put you into affinity groups and spaces where you saw your blackness and, and you saw those beauty to counteract, you know, those uh white supremacist messages, because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um that's those are the messages that often are coming in, you know, coming in uh uh at us. At, at a very young age, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, still see those messages um, going forth now. Um, so so those, when we see yeah, my preference is, you know, a white woman and you have a black mama, you have to interrogate your preferences. Your preferences do not come out of a vacuum, okay? Mm-hmm. We are socialized. <laughs> our, our preferences are, are, are acculturated and socialized. You have mm-hmm. to interrogate them. You know, do I really, truly, (laughs) is this truly like, did I truly just fall in love with this person because of X, Y, Z and they're a great person and whatever? Great. You know, or do I have some sort of preference for this person because I think that they are superior Mm -hmm. to? Now, this is an internal question to ask yourself because you're never going to say this out loud. This is something (laughs) something typically you don't admit out loud, but this is something that, that... People really have to interrogate their preferences. And -hmm. I think even as of late um, with the last, you know, um, political, you know, cycle and some of the the fallout, right, from the last um, occupant of the White House, there has been a shaking and a a rupture. And I think that when you go for people simply because they are white or simply because they are light or simply because they are biracial or whatever your Preference, quote unquote, is um, you have to make sure that you're not object- objectifying that person. Yeah, because you're not loving your neighbor well when you're doing that. Yeah. You only, or or sometimes people, sometimes people swing the other way. I want somebody. I only like to talk to dark skin with you know how they do chocolate, chocolate, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> <they're, laughs> it's like you have no other way to describe my beautiful dark melody. They okay. up to compare it to a Kit Kat bar. Mm-hmm. Um, That's you problematic. Have no beef against Kit Kat bars. But really, how how are the ways, are my preferences rooted in objectification? Mm. These are questions to ask ourselves when we are talking about that, you know, when we're talking about dating, right? So when I talk about that di- desirability is a scam, I suppose that, yeah, that also is in the mix, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's that our preferences, You know, we're socialized into a lot of these uh, preferences, especially men are particularly socialized into into that. I think black women have to do much more. um, I think it takes a little bit more, we're actually running against the grain actually, because the media is oftentimes villainizing black men, right? Mm -hmm. And demeaning black men and saying they're not suitable partners. These are the messages they try to convey to us. And so when a black woman decides, no, my preference is a black man, um, and that's who I want to be. You're actually going against, you know, and you're rejecting, um, the narrative, the mainstream narrative that is oftentimes that we're fed with, um, which I think, I think is a good, is a, is a good thing. Um, and then, and those who do desire, you know, to, um, be partnered and are open, be open. then, you know, be open. There's no, there's no problem at all, you know, mm-hmm. um. In the nineties, you say crossing the color line. There's, a, there's no, <laughs> <laughs> there no problem in that. You know, you 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 need to love folks for who they are, like, Yeah for who they are at bottom. Like yeah. that really matters. You know, if you love somebody um, because they're kind, they have character, they integ- they have integrity, they love the Lord. You know, um, yeah. those those things really matter. Yeah, uh, and they happen not to be black then that's something different than, you know, than you being, no, I only exclusively date. Yeah. You know, la, la, Latina men, you know, no, no, no. I only exclusively date. Okay. Wait, why is that? Yeah. Like your dad is, your dad is black. is that, Help me to understand what the root of that is. Have you ever questioned why that is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways it is a scam because I think in some ways we think that, We think that we're just like some, you know, unbiased, you know, people evolved, (laughs) you know, in this dating game and we're not, you know, Mm -hmm. and then also the standards of beauty are always changing. Right. And I think that people know that there's a lot of money to be made off of people's insecurities. Mm -hmm. And these insecurities are often based on superficial things that have to do with our appearance and how we look. You know, but our, our status, or at least I argue, or I argue at least in the book that my single status, single status has nothing to do with my appearance. Whether you think I'm beautiful or not, that does, that has no, um, I I don't believe it has any significant bearing Mm -hmm. (laughs) on whether or not I will be uh, married or unmarried. Um, And so, and I think I talk about a little bit about how that was just, I had to take, that had to come off the table. Um for me, because the way that my story worked out was that I was always often overlooked. I mm-hmm. never pursued, never sought after. And so I could not lean on lean on whatever my exterior appearance looked like because it didn't seem to matter. Hmm. And so so I was like, okay, And so for me, that's why I argue. I'm like, okay, and anyway, even if it did have some sort of, um, you know impact on whether on somebody's narrative status, this exterior, it's it's fading, it's fleeting. You know, you're not gonna look like this thirty years from now. You're not gonna look like this ten years uh, from from now. You know, so so I just think it is a scam. You know, because people know that uh, that much of the messaging geared toward um, singles and people within the you know um, dating world is about your appearance. Your appearance, do this, get fit, do these things. You should do these things just to take care of your temple you know, to, you know, to honor God in your body. Mm -hmm. Yes, do those things, you know, and do it also because it makes you feel good. That's different than um, concerning yourself with the male gaze in order to be um, chosen, if you will, you know, Um, because if you're chosen for that only, oh my goodness, that's a terrible trap and means of control. And you're in a pretty dangerous situation, honestly, if your partner is only with you because of your looks and how you look and uh, you know and how yeah and how you present to the world.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. When you said male gaze, I was like, whoa, that's good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and I think I I did that for a really long time. You know, <laughs> I took notice of the fact that when I straightened my hair Damn. I would get more attention okay. from men, <laughs> yes. uh, and instead of me just rolling my eyes at them for being superficial, I was like, "Well, let me go get my hair straightened more often." You right, know, right, right. We've um, all been there. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that when I like lost weight, like. You know, more heads were turning, you know, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more more men were presenting themselves as as options, you know. And so then it was like, all right, well, I got to stay on my workout regime so I can Mm -hmm. continue to get that kind of attention so I can put myself in a position where I can uh, be married, be pursued. Yes, yes. But I do remember having that conversation with that friend, um, and her telling me that this young man had a preference, you know. Uh it 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 hmm. taught me in that moment that like, yo, Yana, you don't have a whole lot of control over this.
1: You Listen, know, man, like, you don't
0: you, yep. you you just don't have a whole lot of control over this and Yo, like, Kimmy, I went back to my house weeping, like weeping yeah. in tears, yes. crying and like trying to make sense of what was happening. And the Lord immediately reminded me of Rachel and Leah, you know, and yeah, yeah, I was wow. like, I feel like Leah. I feel like the one with the yeah. weak eyes, yes, you know, yes, <laughs> like yes. um, the one who, you know, can be useful you know, when it comes to helping mm-hmm. you to connect with your black culture or who mm. uh, you know, you know, we can we can, you know, spit about and talk about, you know, hip hop or, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm useful in that sense, but I'm not I'm not desirable. Um mm-hmm. and that's what Leah was. She was useful yeah. in the sense of where like she could bear children, but she was not desired. By yes, yes. Uh, Jacob in the same way that Rachel yes. was, and you know we see how that created tension between Rachel and Leah. You know mm-hmm. and the family dynamics uh, with their children and all those kinds of things. And I think through that story, the Lord one taught me that, uh, or I saw how the Lord saw Leah. Right, mm-hmm. He kept yes. blessing her with children. And initially Leah was like, look, see, I'd have had another son, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. in a in a mocking sense. But then at some point she stopped worrying about Jacob. She freed herself from that male gaze, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she started to like worship the Lord and give thanks to the Lord for this blessing, this gift of a son that um he had given her. And so I feel like that's very much the journey that I've been on. Uh, Of like learning how to move outside of like what you just call the male gaze, you know, Um, and then sort of um, rejoicing in what in the gifts that God has has given me and not allowing how, you know, men perceive me or whether or not they're attracted to me or find me desirable or X, Y, Z, like be a defining point, you know, um, in my life. And I was so encouraged by your manifesto because it was cool to see how God is using scripture in your life as well to help you navigate this, you know, these seasons of shame and anger, you know, um, that that you felt. And so I would love for you to speak to that a little bit, just like how your faith and even God's word has helped shape your your feelings and your thoughts around singleness.
1: Yeah, you know, whew. Well, it's been a journey, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it, oof, it, it is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you just, well, at least being younger, I, I never, when I was younger, I never thought, you know, that I would, you know, be single at this point in my life. Let's just say that, that way. I just never thought, I always thought to get married, marry and have kids and those things are, they're not, foreclosed to me there's still still a possibility you know but it's like oh wow Are we really gone down the road with this lord uh- <laughs> so, <laughs> still here uh, laying <laughs> the same prayers
0: so. <laughs> it's like i said i was gonna pick up my cross and follow you but this is not quite what i had in mind <laughs> yeah
1: i'm like what in the world you know um you know like, what's been i think helpful and instrumental for me and so i uh, of course i've gone through different Phases with this, you know, um, you know, Hagar is as obviously mm-hmm. one uh, person in the Bible that I cling to. I think a lot of black women, you know, cling to because you know, she her being an African woman, misused mm-hmm. and abused, you know, um, you know, and just being looked over, feeling looked over, but seen by God. Yeah. And then not only seen by God, but being able to name God and being mm-hmm. the first person to do that. Um, is just powerful, you know, that's that's been helpful, and then even just as a lady, for the narrative about uh, Mary and Martha, mm-hmm. you know, gosh, is that Luke? Is it Luke 10 38 to 42, or is it mm-hmm. John 10? Okay, I think it's Luke, you know, and thinking about Mary and Martha, and p- people always, you know, make comparisons between them, which obviously the text lends itself to that, but but I think, um you know, Jesus talks about, you know, how, you know, Mary has chosen, you know, um, you know, what is necessary or the one thing that's, you know, that's necessary is my remix. Cause I don't have the text in front of me right now, but, you know, but you know, um, and that will not be taken from her, you know, yeah. like only one thing is necessary, you know, Mary, you know, Martha, you, you're worried about many things, but only one thing is necessary, Damn. you know? And I think that in in church and in society, when it comes to marriage, people project onto us things that are not necessary. <laughs> well, well, you got, it. you need to do this. You need to, you know, you need to go to this place. You need to dress like this. Yeah. You need to wear this color, this print. You need to wear flowers so you could look more feminine. You know, oh Lord, you, you hear, talk about it. <laughs> come on now, you've heard. All types of, of theories on what you need to do. You need to positive confession. You know, don't say if but when. <laughs> it's just like life and death is in the power of the tongue. Like, it, you know, and listen, you you know, we I could go down the whole list. You oh, know, yeah. of the things that you've heard. You know, and you know, don't you know, don't step on this crack. You'll fall and break. It. You know, it's it's really a lot. It's gonna it's like. Oh my goodness. You know so oh, uh, it just gets real it's get it gets real legalistic out here. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you know, but honestly, no amount of positive confession, no amount of uh these superstitions which we reject in the name of Jesus, Amen. you know, um can is a match for the systemic forces at work, you know. Mm-hmm. But God is sovereign over all of them and God can overcome those things if it's yeah. in God's will to do that for you, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, and so so Jesus is the one thing that's necessary. Yeah. you know, being about my father's business is the one thing that's necessary mm-hmm. and believing that God will add everything to me. if I simply do what God's called me to do, if I am simply fixated, on doing the works of the kingdom that God has given me to do that now, though everything does not necessarily mean a husband does not necessarily mean children. And I know we don't like to hear that. Um, but marriage and children are not a blood bought promise. I no, have looked. Not. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. I've looked. Okay. <laughs> I've searched all over the text. It's not there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's I just mean not. It. It, it ain't there, you know You know what I mean? So what are you gonna do? And so mm-hmm. I, so for me, I just got busy about doing what God gave me to do. I tried to do the next right thing. <laughs> what is it that God's given me to do? What do I need to cultivate? What are the, the things that bring me joy? You know. And so, and God's given me the, this ministry. Um, and it's not always, it's not been easy. Mm-hmm. Let's say that, it's not been easy. Um, there's been real struggle. Um, I know the ways that my life would be helped and aided if I had a husband. There's people mm-hmm. that do what I do or do something that's adjacent to what I do. And they have spouses and their lives are a lot easier, mm-hmm. at least from the outside looking. And what I mean by that financially, it's a lot easier. Amen. They got a lot more latitude because they got somebody else. You know what I mean? Who's got their back? They can sit there and, and write a book for however many months because, well, okay, I can, You know, they can drop stuff. Amen. you know what I mean I'm not saying that there's no challenges in me. I'm not saying that but I'm just saying they have a partner mm-hmm. you know that I do not have and so mm-hmm. I there, there's decisions I gotta make there's things that it's much tighter for me it's yeah. harder for me it's financially tighter for me I can could, could tell you the ways that my life will be aided by a second income I, you know, I'm, I'm just Hallelujah. being very I'm being very <laughs> honest about that yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's ways that that I feel very much vulnerable
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: um uh. As um as a single black woman, which is why I also talk about um single black women being the widows and orphans, you know, mm-hmm. of modern day society, um, because of the ways that we are made vulnerable, right? Um yeah. outside of marriage. Yeah. So so thinking about the keeping the main thing, the main thing, right? And keeping Jesus at the forefront um has been helpful for me. I think. So I'm not or surprisingly. I'm actually not as anxious about my single status as I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and I, th- I think part of that is just, you know, I, I still pray and still ask the Lord to do it. I prayed about it this morning, you know, um, because I believe God can do it. Yeah. And I just know that God honors, honors prayers and loves to hear his children asking, seeking, knocking. You Mm -hmm. know, um, but I've also just learned to hold these things loosely. So it's like I've come to an acceptance about it that it may not happen for me. But I also am like, but God can do it. You know, so there really is like this. There's this, you know, um, in the words of Nanny Helen Burroughs, there's a righteous discontent. Mm -hmm. Like, nah, I know that I know that this can God can do this, you know, and so. Yes, con yes, um, um, contentment with godliness, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. Absolutely. You know, like I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. I know that God can do this, you know, on regard- even though the steps are against, you know, us. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, it's like I can't see a ram in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> I know God can do it do That not only for me but for us, you know, and so oftentimes when I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for black women who desire this, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I also recognize not everybody desires it, and I but I also realize that marriage is not the end all be all, I'm not gonna die without it. Um, but goodness, my life would be aided by it being married to the right person, obviously. <laughs> the mm-hmm. right person, you don't want to be married to a bad somebody that's not good for you that can really change the trajectory of your life, but um. But I think keeping those things, so it's a tension, right? We, we have a faith, a paradoxical faith. I'm content, yeah. but I'm not satisfied. There is a righteous discontent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's righteous anger. Like these are, these are paradoxes, you know, um, mm-hmm. that I think we live with as Christians and we should be comfortable um, or at least begin to grow accustomed to being comfortable with paradox as Christians. You know, we, we worship a God who is both God and man at the same time you know Mm -hmm. um and so like how does that happen Like, and we can only understand that by faith right and even then we don't fully comprehend it all um we have a we serve a god who's transcendent and imminent huh how what (laughs) (laughs) you know omnipotent you know and literally could create a whole army of black men but has not done that you know know. and yet god is still good we don't know i don't know why God can do it. I don't know why that's not happening, but God hasn't done that, you know. Um, And so, so anyway, so sorry, I think I kind of went on a tangent. No, that was
0: a worthy tangent.
1: These are the things. (laughs) You know, I wrestle. It's a wrestling. If you hear that, it's a wrestling, right? So it's like, hmm, I've come to an acceptance and yet I'm still praying. (laughs) I'm content. Godliness with contentment. Yep, but (laughs) there's righteous discontent. I have joy. I also have righteous anger. Yeah. That yeah. that's the tension, you know. Yeah, and the two can be true.
0: Man, I love that because I don't feel like I've I've been so focused on like like let's live single, y'all. Like let's celebrate, you know. Yeah. Let's like fully embrace this season. Yeah. Um, and and I and I still want to call people to that for sure. But I, I'm like, yeah, there is there is still like a whole lot of space for for prayer, and there is a whole lot of space Absolutely. for uh, desire and all of those things like, and so I just appreciate you encouraging us like to embrace this paradox that we find ourselves in. It's like I'm not gonna allow my relationship status to control and dictate how I live every yes. day of my life yes. Yes. you know, but at the same time, it is a sincere desire of mine, so I'm not gonna just like put it in a closet somewhere and like put it away like, no, I still need to have a conversation with the Lord about that. I can still pray. I can still ask my heavenly father. Right. Like, um, and, and so, yeah, that's just, man, that's so encouraging. Thanks for, for reminding.
1: And you know what, Yana, when, I mean, when we do that, because you do see that the opposite of this thing happening, people not being honest Mm -hmm. about their desire and maybe their anger, you know, um, toward God. I've had, trust me I've had seasons where I'm angry at God about this okay so like why why I feel like you're holding out on me you know and so I had those conversations for sure believe me in my prayer closet wrestling you know um but I do think that I have seen the pendulum swing sometimes in the other direction like this is not a problem you know we don't need to fix this or or I'm good I have my own money I got my own thing you know and that is and if that's truly how you feel that's fine and valid. Mm-hmm. But I do think a lot of people are um black women are some are not completely telling the, the full truth on that, I think mm-hmm. sometimes. And you know why? Because it hurts too much to admit. Yep. You know, that deep down this is one of my deepest desires. And mm-hmm. God hasn't fulfilled it. And I'm mad at God for that. Yeah. You know, and I think that when we don't say that, then that is when bitterness begins to take root in our heart. And as Christina always says, and it's the brittle that will break. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Because you just, you have to be honest about where you're at, you know, and, and you don't have to broadcast it, you know, to everybody. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a public, you know, public dealer, or something out there. So that's, you know, that's what it is, you know, but just even in the quiet of your heart to the Lord, I'm hmm. angry about this. Like, no, I do desire this, you know, but don't go out there fronting now. <laughs> and acting like you don't want this, and then going, oh look, there's grace for that too. So I'm not saying <laughs> that. But I'm just saying let's <laughs> let's be honest. You know, let's just be honest. And I do I do think yeah. that there I am seeing the pendulum swing toward. Oh, well, I don't need a man. I don't want it. I got my own money. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you no, know, we all need companionship. We all need community. We all need. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. It doesn't nothing make you weak wrong. to admit that. It doesn't make you desperate or thirsty to admit that. Like, no, you're mm-hmm. right. You're, you're right. Like that makes you human.
0: Very human. <laughs> you know,
1: to desire that—that that is a—that is a very deep, you know, um, innate human desire. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you shouldn't feel any shame over that. And I was like, and I just wouldn't. I just refuse to let people um, shame me for that. I just that—that's not the source of my shame. Not, at least the shame that I felt in grapple is not that I want to be married, and you shouldn't say that out loud. That's not the source of my shame at all. You know, yeah. um, I know for some people that might be it, but that's not that ain't for me. I'm like, I was like, no, that that ain't mine. That's not my bag to carry. That's yours, and <laughs> you're projecting that onto me. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely that's
0: definitely no like no reason to have shame. You know, that's misplaced. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Misplaced shame, Um, Mm -hmm. man. And I I mean, I truly believe a lot of how I've been able to come to a place of acceptance and contentment and even to have joy in my singleness is by having those very honest conversations with the Lord about my anger, my discontentment, my sadness, like just coming to him with the honest truth. And I mean, we might as well, because Absolutely. he knows yeah, it. God knows anyway. He knows it. He knows God it. Knows he sees way. it. So, yeah. And man. we can pour
1: out our heart before God. You know, I think it's Psalm 62. It's like, you know, pour out your heart before God. Do it. Cry, weep, yell, uh, wail. It's all of it. God yeah. can take it. <laughs> God can take yeah, it. Yeah, he can. Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you so, so thank you. much. All right, you got to tell people about the book. You have to.
1: Yes. Yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, Yana. Living single, you know, it takes me back to my, the 90s show. You know, I can't, every time I see, every time, every time I see your, your uh, podcast, Arkham, I come on I home living single. I, I'm not going to torture y'all with, the, you know, but <laughs> um, but yes, Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love and Liberation. Um, it's out in stores on April 12th, 2022. Please pre-order the book or buy it whenever this uh, uh, podcast comes out. Uh, pre-orders are really, really important. It really signals to the powers that be at bookstores and within the publishing world that the, the words and the thoughts um, of Black women are important and we need more of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say it's a collection of essays from um, the three of us, myself, Dr. Christina Edmondson and Michelle Higgins you know, who are the original co-hosts of Truth's Table. And we're talking about the issues and the things that, um, that we grapple with that are, um, near and dear, I would say to our hearts and to the, and to the, um, hearts of black women. And so we talk about colorism and forgiveness and decolonization, reparations and liberation and justice and blackness in the future. Um, and so it's, it's a whole lot of theology with some pop culture up in there, <laughs> um, history and some sociology. So, a little bit of something, I think mean, there's something for everybody. And so, even if you're not a Black woman, um, we always say on our show, you know, then you're in the standing room section. And our standing room section people love um, getting the privilege of eavesdropping at a table built by Black women and for Black women. And so, when you pick up, truth table, as a non-Black woman, you get a, an opportunity to really learn about the interior lives yeah. of at least these three Black women, right? Because we're not saying that we speak for all Black women. We're not saying that that's why it's called musings. These are our musings, <laughs> but we have, and then there's an invitation at the end of the book for you to write your own musings. What are your musings? What are you thinking about? What are you wrestling through? What are you thinking through? Um, you know, and so, so yeah, so uh, yeah, it's just an invitation you know, for you to hear our words, but also we want to hear your words um, back to us. And of course you can buy the book um, wherever books are sold. You can pre-order on our website, truestable.com slash book, or, you know, you can go on bookshop.com and pre-order or Target, Walmart, Amazon. So make sure you leave a review too. (laughs) (laughs) Word, (laughs) word.
0: Oh man, I am so thankful to the Lord for you Right and for the other women of Troops Table, I remember the first episode that came out and <laughs> I mean, I laughed. I felt understood. I wow. cried. Yeah. I screamed. I was like, this <laughs> is so good. Um, <laughs> it's just it's such a blessing. And you all are really paving the way for black women. <laughs> um and just even for me put a picture before me of what it would look it could look like for me to be a black woman, like in ministry and in seminary and fun. all of that. And like I said, I went to a predominantly mm-hmm. white institution. Yeah. And yeah. so you all helped round out my theological education. And so I am so thankful um to you and the work that y'all are doing. I'm buying myself a book. I'm probably gonna buy some other people some books and yeah. like do some giveaways and just like this book, Basically. just even just from yeah, the, the the little bit that I've read has been such a blessing to me. So y'all pre-order the book, buy the book, let's do this. Yes. Um,
1: um, yeah, thank you so let's much be you a blessing. Thank Please you for women extending your platform. Them. Thank you. Thank you for building this platform if necessary. Mm-hmm. And thank you for extending the platform, you know, to us, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Yeah. Of course. the show. It's mm-hmm. my
0: pleasure. Now, before we go, I like to have my guests pray for yeah, our listeners. And so do you mind
1: saying a prayer for us? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Father God, thank you. thank you. First of all, thank you for Yana, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for the gifts that you have placed inside of her. Thank you, O God, for the boldness, the courage, O Lord God in um, the face oh god the measure of faith that you've given her oh god to launch this podcast living single oh lord and to do the things that you've called her to do thank you oh lord god and i pray oh god that you would just continue oh god to pour out your spirit to her, O oh Lord God, that you, O oh Lord God, would continue to order Yana's footsteps, O oh Lord, according to your word, O oh God, that you would give her a good, um, um solid community, O oh Lord God, where she feels loved, heard, appreciated, and cared for, Lord God. Mm-hmm. And I pray, O oh Lord God, that you, O oh Lord God, in your mercy would grant to her her deepest desires, O oh Lord God, mm-hmm. and that if it is your will, that you would also grant to her a husband, a godly husband, O oh Lord God, who loves you and puts you first, oh Lord God, and treats Yana, oh Lord God, as the precious child of God that she is, oh Lord. And I pray, oh God, for all of her listeners on the sound of my voice, some who might be weeping, oh God, after listening to this episode Mm. because of just how raw and hard um, sickness has been for them. I know that there's trauma that lives here, oh Lord God. Um, Some, oh God, who just might be over it, um, and are just like giving up and not praying about it no more don't want to hear nothing about it God I pray oh God for those who are just confused oh Lord as to why they are not yet married oh God or or, or are and are truly at a loss as to why they are why they are not where they thought they would be oh Lord God at whatever point in life that they're at Lord I pray oh God that you oh Lord God, would be, oh God, the lifter of their heads, oh Lord God. God. I thank you that your word says that those who look to you, their faces are radiant and they'll never, ever be ashamed, oh Lord. So I pray, oh God, that you, oh Lord God, would be, um, uh, um uh, uh, that you, oh God, would be their sword and shield, oh Lord God, that you will be their buckler, Lord God, mm-hmm. their succor, Lord God, that you, oh Lord God, would indeed be their uh, uh, the lifter of their heads, God. I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would give strong support, Lord. Your word says that your eyes roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone to show yourself strong to. Lord, would you please show yourself strong to those, O oh Lord God, who are tired, who are lonely, who are weary, of their single status, O oh Lord God, and who are at their wits end, O oh Lord. So many people are are suffering with loneliness, O oh Lord. And we know that loneliness does not simply occur in singleness, O oh Lord. There are mm-hmm. plenty of lonely married people. Um, uh, that I know to be true, but God, I pray, and I lift up to you singles right now, O oh Lord, particularly singles who have been going through this pandemic, O oh Lord God, in ways mm-hmm. that have been much more isolating than years prior, Lord. Would you be near? Oh God, would you make your presence tangible to them right now? Oh God, would you please, oh Lord, grant them the desire of their hearts. Would you surprise them, Mm -hmm. oh Lord, with good things, oh Lord. I've seen you do it. I have seen you do this for so many people who never thought it would happen. So many people who are done, angry, bitter Mm -hmm. even, and you bless them, oh Lord God, with spouses. Lord, would you do that? for those who desire it, Lord. And for those who don't desire it, Lord God, and who are content with their sickness, God, continue to fill them, oh God, with contentment. Continue to fill them with godliness, oh God. Continue to um, fill them with purpose, oh Lord God, and help them to put their hands to the plow and to, do, uh, and to accomplish the good works that you have already set forth and ordained for them to do, Lord. I pray all of us in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Amen, amen. amen. Mm, thank you so much
1: you're welcome it's my pleasure it is my pleasure God is on the throne y'all you never know he's full of surprises he's full of surprises amen